Listener Production. Your Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Thursday, the 8th of April. The European Medicines Agency has released its extensive findings into the AstraZeneca vaccine after concerns over blood clots. The agency saying it has found a possible link between the vaccine and the rare blood condition, but the cause is still not known. Here is EMA Executive Director Ema Cook. These are rare, these are very rare side effects. Um... The risk of mortality from COVID is much greater than the risk of uh, mortality from these side effects. In wake of the findings, the UK's Vaccine Advisory Board has now recommended the AstraZeneca vaccine should not be given to those under the age of 30 and they should be offered an alternative vaccine. But Head of UK Medicines Regulator Dr June Rain says the risk of rare blood clots with the vaccine is about four people in one million. The benefits of the COVID-19 vaccine AstraZeneca against COVID-19 and its associated risks, hospitalisation and death continues to outweigh the risks for the vast majority of people. The AstraZeneca vaccine is the main COVID jab being used here in Australia and a response on what this means for our vaccination rollout is expected to be made later today. Meantime, health authorities say there are no signs of any casual link between the COVID vaccine and the death of an elderly woman at a Queensland nursing home. The 82-year-old, who suffered other serious health issues including lung disease, died hours after receiving the Pfizer vaccine. Australia's chief medical officer issued a statement overnight saying sadly more than 1,000 people pass away in aged care every week and it is inevitable that it will include people who have recently been vaccinated. And we'll have more details on this story from our reporter in Brisbane shortly. Also making news this morning, a war of words continues between the state and federal governments over the rollout of our nation's vaccination program. The Prime Minister has been forced to defend the speed of the program, claiming more than three million doses of the overseas-made AstraZeneca jab never made it to our shores last year, despite European Union officials earlier disputing those figures. Here is the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison. 3.1 million vaccines didn't arrive in Australia. That's just a simple fact. That's not a dispute. It's, It's not a conflict. It's not an argument. It's not a clash. It's just a simple fact. Meantime, New South Wales Health Minister Brad Hazard has called for more transparency from the federal government, revealing on the ABC he finds out what's happening with the rollout and vaccine supplies through the media. I think it reflects the fact that uh, the the federal government are obviously struggling with uh, trying to do the right thing by the community of New South Wales and indeed Australia, but just having a a very difficult time knowing precisely how much uh, vaccine will be available. And rugby league legend Tommy Radonigas will be honoured with a minute's silence before every NRL game this weekend. The much-loved larrikin passed away yesterday after a long battle with cancer. And we'll have more details on this story coming up shortly in sport. Now for a look at what else is making news around the country this Thursday morning. Firstly to Queensland and as we reported earlier, authorities are set to investigate the death of an elderly woman in a Queensland nursing home. The 82-year-old who had serious health issues died shortly after receiving the Pfizer jab. Here's our reporter David Shiraz with more from Brisbane. 
Good morning, Tash. The 82-year-old woman was living in an aged care facility in Springwood, where it's believed she received her vaccine yesterday morning. Police were then reportedly called later that afternoon after the woman passed away, but health authorities don't believe there is a casual link between her death and the vaccine she received. The woman had a number of underlying health issues, including lung disease. Australia's Chief Medical Officer, Professor Paul Kelly, releasing a statement highlighting the thousand deaths in aged care across the country every week, saying it's inevitable those figures will include people who've recently been vaccinated. The Therapeutic Goods Administration will be reviewing the case. To Victoria now, and the state will welcome overseas arrivals again from today, but there are concerns over whether Victoria's hotel quarantine system can cope. Our reporter James Royce is in Melbourne with the details. Yes, Tash, Melbourne's first plane load of international passengers in months has actually already arrived. Sri Lankan Airlines Flight 604 from Colombo touched down around 4.30 this morning. Now, of course, Victoria's hotel quarantine system was put on pause again in February when issues at the airport's Holiday Inn led to the virus leaking back out into the community. So while we hope we've learned from our past mistakes, a worrying report in this morning's age, it says some medical staff in the hotel quarantine system have still been pulling shifts at more than one site. That is clearly going against one of the biggest recommendations from an inquiry into last year's failings. And to New South Wales, and the state government has announced it will set up a mass vaccination hub in a bid to speed up the number of Australians getting their COVID jab. Our reporter Siobhan Caulfield has more from Sydney. Yeah, Tash, a mass COVID vaccination centre will open here in Sydney as our state government attempts to speed up the pace of the rollout. It'll be at Homebush in addition to 100 sites that will be up and running across the state with hopes more than 4,000 people will get the jab there every day. But for this to work, the federal government needs to prioritise enough doses with concerns being raised about supply as we come in far behind schedule. Our health minister admits he doesn't know exactly how many jabs are available to us each week. Brad Hazard telling 7.30 communication needs to improve. The, uh, the communications probably do need to be improved a little bit with each of the states and territories. But having said that, it is challenging for the federal government, I'm sure, at the present time to know precisely how much vaccine is coming to us from uh, either offshore or onshore. The latest in business and finance news this morning. We're joined by Peter Switzer from switzerreport.com.au. Peter, good morning. Now, the shopping centre landlords have been beaten up by the fallout of the COVID crisis, and retailers, many are very happy about it. Yep, they sure are. The AFR says retailers are winning the battle for lower rents, securing 5 to 10% reductions for short term lease renewals and 15 to 20% discounts for new longer leases as the pandemic forces landlords to the negotiating table. Leading the push for lower rents is Solomon Liu's premier investment, which infuriated major shopping centre landlords at the height of the pandemic by refusing to pay rents while stores were closed and demanding that future rents be based on percentage sales. Now, Premier, the owner of Smiggle, Peter Alexander, Just Jeans, JJ's, Portman's and Dotty, not only won more than $22 million in rent reductions and concessions in the six months ending January, but negotiated ongoing reductions that are expected to cut its annual rent bill by an enormous $30 million to $200 million. Gosh, that's a huge amount. And Peter, also this morning, one of Australia's most valuable startup companies. It's now worth around 15 billion US dollars, but some Australians haven't even heard of Canva. 
Yep, you're right. Canva should become a household name given its value of 19 billion Australian dollars, but it has to be one of our business sector's best kept secrets. The three founders, Cameron Adams, Cliff Obrecht, and Melanie Perkins, are now worth about 10 billion dollars and while the company is still private it's expected to eventually list on the u.s tech stock market the nasdaq so what does canva do it produces digital graphic design tools for everything from marketing presentations to greeting cards that are simple to appeal to a broad base of users canva has 55 million active users each month and the coronavirus played to Canva's strengths by offering customers one of the easiest digital publishing and presentation tools on the internet. It's a great success story. It is a great story and really easy to use too. And economists are expressing doubts, Peter, that our Reserve Bank can keep interest rates low until 2024, although we've heard many promises, haven't we? We, we certainly have. But, you know, the U.S. Central Bank, the Federal Reserve, released its latest minutes from its last meeting. And like our Reserve Bank, it's telling borrowers, savers and investors that they are working hard to keep interest rates low at current levels for as long as it can. It comes as the IMF raised the economic growth outlook for the world economy from a big 5.5% to a huge 6%. And the boss of J.P. Morgan Chase, Jamie Dimon, tipped the building U.S. economic boom could extend to 2023. If he's right, central banks will find it very hard to stick to these low interest rate promises. Wait and see, Peter. Thank you. Cheers. Time for Sport Now with Brett Thomas. And Brett, as we mentioned earlier this morning, we have lost a rugby league legend, the one and only Tommy Radonagas, the lovable larrikin passing away yesterday. And thousands are continuing to pay tribute, including Wayne Bennett. Yeah, of course, Wayne Bennett preparing South Sydney to face the Broncos tonight. Took some time to pay tribute to his old mate. They crossed paths in Brisbane Rugby League back in the 80s and revealed an interesting story yesterday that Tommy actually played a role in Alan Langer debuting for Queensland. Now, Tommy was uh, coaching the young Alan Langer, just a young teenager uh, playing at uh, Ipswich in the BRL, and he was the one who pushed for him to debut, to make his debut for the Queensland origin side, and here's what Wayne had to say about that. We got to Doug Beatty, who was the Queensland chairman of selectors at the time, and he was from Ipswich, and he convinced Doug, you know, Alan Langer should be picked, so when we got this team selection, it was the only time in the whole time I selected with them all that they overruled me. As you said, Tommy, known as a lovable larrikin, but was also a, a champion halfback for his country, the first to captain New South Wales, and then coached, obviously, New South Wales as well. The origin side, the famous cattle dog cried to get them physically fired up. And uh, and then uh, pl- spent time with Ipswich, with Norths, um, with a couple of clubs in the BRL. So he certainly wasn't just a, a larrikin that we, we love, but he was also an accomplished player and a coach as well. Yeah, and great, great passion for the game and really looked after players. Um, he will be missed by many. To the AFL now, Breton, the Swans are the talk of the game at the moment and tonight they enter prime time against the Bombers. Yeah, that's right. And they both get some big guns back. They kick off round four tonight at the SCG. Uh, Buddy Franklin returns to the Swans' unbeaten lineup. He was rested against the Tigers. What a luxury. Well, the Bombers, uh, they get their skipper Dyson Heppel back. He has recovered from a, a, a sore back. He's carried that for quite a while. Former AFL champ Lee Montagna is expecting a high-scoring game tonight. Could be a shootout because of the, the indicators at the moment, offensively, they are both in the top four in a lot of categories. Their issue, though, particularly Sydney as well as Essendon, do leak a bit of score. 
scores the other way. And with the rule on the just, uh, adjustments, the man on the mark uh, rule changing, the game has certainly gotten quicker and more high scoring as well. And the Swans are playing a lot different to what we remember them in years past, even under their current coach, John Longmire. Also, just quickly before we move on, the AFL has locked in the, the time and potential venues for the AFL Women's Grand Final. It will be a standalone event uh, next Saturday, April 17, 2 p.m. bounce. Adelaide Oval, the Gabba or the MCG could be the host, depending on who wins the prelim finals this weekend. We've got the Crows facing the Demons. The Lions take on the Magpies. How good is that? And now moving on to the A-League dramatic scenes last night, Brett, with the match called off because of weather concerns and the lights going off. Yes, Sydney FC moving up to fifth on the table. That was certainly drama-filled, a 1-0 win over Perth Glory. As you said, the game was called off early. This was in stoppage time due to the weather and also the lighting at the stadium at the Jubilee Stadium there in Cogra going off just as Perth Glory were pushing for an equaliser and their coach, Richard Garcia, is not a happy man. I'm still on the pitch. We've got doing interviews on the pitch. So where's the player welfare? I'm all for player welfare, but we're still doing interviews. So why's the game getting caught off? So he's talking about his players being interviewed on television, but they weren't allowed to continue playing the game. Also last night, the Aussie women's cricket side, they are just in dominant form at the moment, uh, retaining the Rose Bowl, cruising to a 71-run win over New Zealand. That was the second one-dayer of that series. Rachel Haynes, top scoring with 87. And Brett, just finally this morning, there's details coming out of the US this morning that authorities believe speed may have been a major factor in that awful crash with Tiger Woods. He was very, very lucky to get out alive. Do we have any details as yet how his condition is? Well, Rory McIlroy, who's about to tee off tonight at the Masters, has said that uh, he's recovering better than expected. It's believed he's now out of hospital and is at home. And as you said, that report this morning that speed played a factor. He was going around a, a very tight bend and police say that he was travelling at nearly 87 miles per hour, so that's at more than 140k an hour in a 70k zone. So uh, that could have been one of the factors involved in that crash. As you said, very lucky to still be alive, Tiger Woods. Long road ahead for his recovery. Brett, thank you very much. Thanks, Tash. Checking the weather details around the country now this Thursday morning. Brisbane, partly cloudy, top of 29. Shower or two on the way again for Sydney, 26. Mostly sunny conditions for both Melbourne and Canberra today. Showers developing in Hobart, 23. Partly cloudy conditions for Adelaide, top of 31. Possible morning shower for Perth and 27. Partly cloudy and a high of 33 for Darwin. And former Prime Minister Kevin Rudd has been mistaken for an Uber driver in Queensland. Kay Rudd was behind the wheel in Noosa earlier this week when he dropped his family off at a local restaurant before going to find a car park. His daughter Jess took to Twitter saying the lovely but tipsy crew who were waiting for their lift thought her dad's car was their ride. The former PM offered to take them anyway, just saying it took the group about half the ride to discover exactly who their driver was. No word on if he received five stars. And that's all you need to know to start your day with your morning agenda in your podcast feed from 6.30am every weekday morning. You can also catch the latest episode in a whole new world of audio by downloading the new listener app for free. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great day and we look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Listener.